And let's open our Bibles, please, to the book of Luke, Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18. And I want you to listen very carefully tonight. We're talking about our ministry of prayer. And so we've been discussing in our adult Sunday school class, putting on the whole armor of God. And prayer, of course, is the last weapon, praying always with all prayer and supplication. So uh, let's take this very seriously. You know, we talk about our prayer life, our, our being a prayer warrior. What does that really mean? And uh, this is a really great passage uh, concerning prayer. So Luke chapter 18, and uh, we'll begin reading in verse 1. We'll read responsively through verse 8. And shall we stand pleased for the reading of God's Word, uh, the old King James. Amen. And he spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint, saying, There was in a city a judge which feared not God, neither regarded man. And there was a widow in that city, and she came unto him, saying, Avenge me of mine adversary. And he would not for a while. But afterward he said within himself, Though I fear not God, nor regard man, Yet because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. And the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge saith. And shall not God avenge his own elect, which cried day and night unto him, though he bear long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth. And so I want you to think about, uh, first of all, there was a judge which feared not God. And then, very important, look at verse 6. Jesus is saying, And the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge saith. And so we need to heed this admonition. We need to study it. We need to put it into practice. Hear what the unjust judge saith. Let's pray. Our Father, we pray that you bless the word as it goes forth. Pray that we would learn to pray about our prayer life, that we would hide in our own prayer closet, in our own way, and we would seek thee early while you may be found. But help us learn to cry day and night, praying without ceasing, knowing the doctrine of importunity. We pray that it have an impact on our life. Help us to remember these things, ponder them in our heart, meditate upon it, that it would become a part of us. Help us to be doers of the word and not hearers only. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And you may be seated. Hear what the unjust judge saith. As I mentioned, prayer is the last weapon which God commands us to use when we put on the whole armor of God. Let me remind you of some things that are very, very significant. We've talked about some of these things recently. We know that man is created in the image of God. Therefore, we are a trichotomy, a body, soul, and a spirit 
just like God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And there are three heavens that relate to the three parts of man mysteriously in some ways. And it could be possible, I'm not being dogmatic on this, but in the beginning when God made Adam and put him in the garden, it's most likely that these three heavens were one. They were not three distinct heavens because God was there in the garden walking with Adam. The voice of the Lord God came walking in the cool of the day. And we learn in Isaiah 14 and Ezekiel 28, other passages, that Lucifer was there in the garden of God, on the mountain of God, and he said, I will be like God, I will ascend into the sides of the north. And so in some ways, these three parts of man relate to the three heavens, and this relates to what type of man will we be, natural or supernatural? Will we succumb to just getting by in our own assets and capabilities? Or will we somehow rise up and live in the third heaven, the heavenly realm, the spirit resurrected life, to somehow come boldly to the throne of grace to find help in the time of need. And so the body relates to the first heaven. The soul relates in some ways to the second heaven. And then the spirit of man relates to the third heaven. And we know that according to Paul's sermon on Mars Hill in Acts chapter 17, God's not far from us if we'll just feel after him. Yes, he's in the third heaven. Yes, high above the second heaven, there's a deep uh, in between the two. But in some mysterious way, God's right here. He's, if we can just touch him in the spirit realm. So the Bible tells us that in the time of need, we are to come to where? The throne of grace. The Bible tells us there's seven lamps of fire burning before the throne of God. These are the seven spirits of God, according, and also these are mentioned in Isaiah chapter 11. Also, we realize that our prayers are like sweet smelling incense that rises up in the very nostrils of God Almighty, literally and spiritually, and these are well-pleasing in the uh, senses of Almighty God. And the amazing thing is, because of the resurrection of Christ, and we have been translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of His dear Son, we are already there. Mysteriously and miraculously, supernaturally, we are seated in Christ at the right hand of the Father, and he ever liveth to make intercession for us. But as we mentioned recently, we have an adversary. We have an accuser. Though Satan has been cast out when Lucifer rebelled and became the devil, he said, I will be like God. He still has access to the throne room of God. He accuses the brethren 
And he is our adversary. He opposes us. Everything God wants to do in our life, he's trying to stop it. Every work of God that God has done in our life, he wants to kill it. Every growth in grace, he wants to take it away and cause us to backslide and uh, to, to digress. He does not want us to live this third heaven seated in Christ, power of the resurrection life. He's doing everything he can to be our adversary. And what does the Bible say? Peter said, be vigilant. Why? Your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, seeketh whom he may devour. So, we have to ask ourselves the question, and a lot of people don't understand this. Why would Christ teach in parables? It's a good question. The disciples asked this question. We're going to answer it uh, and show you the passage that, where Jesus gave the answer himself. A parable is a deep truth that is guised in a mysterious story. It is right there. But only those to whom God reveals it can understand it. Now, we live in a sad day where your average professing Christian, even average Bible teacher or pastor or preacher, they cannot rightly divide the word of truth in the plain King James English, much less discern the deep truths that Jesus taught on purpose in parables so that he could hide it from some people or most people. You know, and this is the true God of the Bible, and you can like it or lump it. God did this on purpose to hide the deep truths from most people. And only those to whom he reveals it can discern and understand what he wants them to know. So I want to uh, read this to you before we continue on. In Matthew chapter 13 and verse 10, And the disciples came and said unto him, Why speakest thou unto them in parables? He answered and said unto them, Because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it is not given. For whosoever hath to him shall be given, and he shall have more abundance. But whosoever hath not, from him shall be taken away even that he hath. Therefore speak I to them in parables, because they seeing see not, and hearing they hear not, neither do they understand. And in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah which saith, by hearing ye shall hear, and shall not understand. And seeing ye shall see, and shall not perceive. For this people's heart is waxed gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest at any time they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and should understand with their heart, and should be converted, and that's what we're talking about on Wednesday nights, and I should heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they shall see in your ears, for 
they hear. For verily I say unto you, that many prophets and righteous men have desired to see those things which ye see, and have not seen them, and to hear those things which ye hear, and have not heard them. So Jesus plainly says, this is the fulfillment of Isaiah chapter 6, verse 9, that he purposely taught in mysterious parables, deep truths, guised, so that they would not understand it. You know, there's so many people who are so deceived and confused. They think Christianity is easy. They, when, since when is it easy to take up your cross and follow Jesus? Even though it's so simple to call upon the name of the Lord and thou shalt be saved, but why is it that so many hear the parables, very few understand the parables, very few are converted. Most just go headlong in the way they were. Just like the Bible says, the horse that wants to go into battle and he's chomping at the bit and they have to pull on the reins. They just want to go headlong. So this is an amazing thing, the mysteries of the parables. In Luke 18, we have one of the most mysterious seemingly contradictory parables. If you just read it and you have any intelligence, you would ask the question, what does this mean? What is God trying to tell us? So there are no contradictions, obviously, in the Word of God. Jesus purposely taught this to hide it from most people. So Let's look at this. This parable here is only in the book of Luke. Luke is the gospel of the Son of Man. So he's using the laws of the world, the nature of men, natural man, humanity, to teach a deep truth about what? So look at the context. He's teaching us how to pray. This is what this is all about. So I want us to look at verse 1, Luke 18. Why did he teach this? And he spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint. This is the doctrine we looked at of importunity, much begging. Ask and ask and ask and keep on asking, and pray, and pray, and pray, and keep on praying. Never give it up. Pray without ceasing. Pray while you're awake. Pray while you're dreaming. Pray when you rise up. Pray when you walk. Pray when you lie down. Pray as you go to sleep. Pray without ceasing. We should not faint now, there's principles in the Bible that if thou faint in the day of adversity, thy strength is small, right? Who is the adversary? The devil. Why are so many people so weak and they yield to temptation? They quit, they draw back, they look back, they turn back, they give up on serving God. They quit waiting on God from heaven to send help through uh, having mercy and answer their prayers because they don't pray. 
they faint in this what? Spiritual warfare. Putting on the whole armor of God. Above all, taking the shield of faith and the sharp two-edged sword of the Word of God. And then doing what? Praying. Not one time. Not some of the time. Not part of the time. Men ought always to pray. Always. And not to faint. Now, I want you to look at verse 2. What is the purple this, uh, the purpose of this parable? Men ought to pray and faint not. So he's saying, there was in a city a judge which feared not God, neither regarded man. So here's this judge. He has two characteristics. Number one, he doesn't fear the Lord. He's not afraid of God at all. He doesn't care what God thinks or the laws of God. He doesn't, he's not concerned about his eternal soul. He do, he's not concerned about the law, keeping the law, being just in the law. He's not concerned about where he's going when he dies. He doesn't care if he's under condemnation. He doesn't care if he's a crooked judge or a dishonest judge or a corrupt uh, legal official. Doesn't care. Secondly, he has no regard for man. He has no compassion. You know what? He would be considered as a psychopath in modern day psychology. He has no empathy for humanity. He doesn't care about anybody but himself. He could murder, not even feel guilty. He could lock somebody up unjustly, falsely accused, without the evidence, has no compassion, doesn't care about anybody but himself. He is in the power position. And so what Christ is teaching us, here is the one who makes the decisions. The judge makes all the decisions. You know the old saying, power corrupts, absolute power corrupts, absolutely. The judge, interestingly, represents God. Now this is a hidden mystery. Then you have this poor widow who comes before the judge. And so look at verse 3 and says, There was a widow in that city, and she came unto him, saying, Avenge me of mine adversary. So she has no husband, no one on her side to uh, help her, has no legal help, has no financial power, apparently. She has no what we would call pull in the society to change her situation in life. She's destitute. And somebody has mistreated her. Somebody has abused her. They violated the law. They have taken advantage of her. They have opposed her. And they have uh, been the what? Adversary. And so what does she do? She appeals to the court, the judge, avenge me of my adversary. Now, who does she represent? The Christian. Now, I'm going to go into this. Every one of these is the opposite uh, 
in character because Christ is hiding the truth from those who do not study the whole Word of God to rightly divide it. So then we have her appeal to who? The authority. There's a lot for us to learn from this. There are certain things beyond our jurisdiction. There are certain things beyond our human limitations, our capabilities, our assets, our capital. We have to appeal to the higher court. We must appeal to the higher court. The court in the first heaven is not good enough. Court in the second heaven is not good enough. We need to appeal to the throne of God to find grace to help in the time of need. So what does this unjust, wicked judge say to her? Verse 4, And he would not, and I love what it's, just keep reading, for a while. Do we believe that or not? He would not, not forever, but for a while. And then he says, now look what he says. He knows himself. He says, though I fear not God, I don't care about God, nor have any regard for men. I only care about me. And I've had people tell me that in the past. I don't care about anybody but me. All I care about. Look what he says in verse 5. Yet because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. And the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge saith. Now, there's a lot of deep truths here, obviously, hidden in plain sight. There it is if we study the Bible. There are seeming contradictions. So let me mention the seeming contradictions. The unjust judge does not fear God, has no regard for men. Total contradiction, seeming. There's a widow. Well, we're not widows. We're the bride of Christ. We're not a widow bereft and destitute. We, we are the bride of Christ. And she says, avenge me of mine adversary. Jesus already taught we're not to seek revenge. We are to pray for them which despitefully use us, do good to them, uh, let God get revenge and heap coals of fire on their head. So we have all these strange people, characters in the parable, and there's a strange reason why the widow approaches this evil judge. Now, let's go back to the beginning. God is not teaching us who He is, His character of holiness and love. He's teaching us what? That men ought always to pray and faint not. Read the Bible. Let God teach you what He wants you to know. God is not teaching you about the destitution of a widow. And He's not teaching you about how to get revenge because we're not supposed to seek revenge. You know, so often the answer is right there and people won't let the lesson be taught and study it and they get confused. It, they, they like uh, get their mind twisted and tied in a knot like a pretzel. 
So let me go through this very simply and explain the parable. Number one, the judge. Who is the judge? God Almighty. The Almighty, He acts alone for His purpose. That's who He is. I, I've, I've said this often, and it's hard for us in our finite mind to understand. God has a universe to run. All right? God has a universe to run. You know, if you think about your life, your household, your, your own body, personal hygiene, your health, trying to upkeep your health, uh, you need to brush your teeth. I know that's a deep truth. You need to upkeep your health. You need to take care of the organs of your body the best that you can and not tempt God. You have a marriage. You have relationships. You might have children. You might have grandchildren. You have possessions you have to upkeep. Deep truth. You have to mow your yard. You have to paint your house. You have to upkeep the roof on your house. You have to upkeep your vehicle, your means of transportation. You also have uh, your place of income. You, you make money. You have to make money. All these different aspects of life, and we can relate. Something might come up which we think, this is trivial. And you'll think, don't you know I have a life? Who do you think you are? Don't you know I have a life too? What are you doing always coming to me? Well, don't you know God has a whole universe to run? Uh, and I, I believe the earth is the center of everything and it's perpetual. But how do we know? I mean, I'm not God. God is so great. There could be all sorts of things happening uh, even beside this world. And the Bible says there will be worlds without end after this world, God is eternal, always was, always will be, never had a beginning. He is the pre-existing, self-existing, ancient of days, the forever, you tell them, I am. Always was, always will be. Can live every day in eternity in present tense. Has an eternity to run. Can you imagine what it's like in heaven? I, I read it all the time. There's an emerald rainbow. There's lightning bolts shooting out of the throne. There's voices. There's the creatures, the cherubim with the four faces and the six wings. There's the seraphim, those who are ministering burning serpents who cleanse. There are the uh, angels, uh, messengers. There's the uh, seven spirits of God and the seven lamps of fire burning in the altar and the sea of glass like a molten looking glass in the boulevard of the, of the river of life and the, the 12 manner fruits that grow on the tree of life. And it's all these wondrous things beyond our human comprehension. Just read Ezekiel 1 and Ezekiel 12. The wheel inside of the wheel and these creatures and God's throne is on top of it. And there's a halo on top of that. Wherever the spirit was to go, the throne went and the creatures went. And there's a lightning bolts and there's a center line of, uh, of a bright, bright, glorious light of almighty God. And he clothes himself with the light. God has a universe to run. Now, how's he teaching us that? 
There was this unjust judge who, who didn't fear God and he had no regard for man. He's all about him. You see, there's a new false doctrine that God made man so that it's all about man. And I got some bad news for some of you. It's not about you. It's all about Him. And God made all things. We read this in Sunday school this morning, Colossians 1. All things were made by Him and for Him, and by Him all things consist. And when you start realizing that, and you come to the throne of grace, and you say, I know, Lord, you're, uh, Thou art God, but would you please help me? Would you somehow take the time to look my way? and have mercy upon me. I have nobody, I have no help. God is the judge. Now, who's the widow? The church. This is a truth guised in a mystery. You must see yourself, what? As a destitute widow. I have no husband. I have no friends. I have no family. I'm all alone. I have no money. I have no assets. I have no political clout. I have no one that can help me in this world below. I come beseeching the one in power, the judge. Would you help me? And so she must do what? Trouble him. That's what Jesus is teaching. If you want the God of heaven to hear your prayer, you have to trouble him. And, and he said, I'm teaching you this parable that men ought always to pray and faint not. So what did she do? She kept coming. Now think about a court date. I have one tomorrow. I've got to go before a judge for a legal situation uh, with my father's will. You, this is hopefully, this is a one-time deal, just the legal formality of the reading of the will. But we all know about court dates. You go and you didn't get the rendering you wanted. What do you do? You come back again. What happens if it doesn't happen the second time? I'm coming back again. What happened if it doesn't happen the third time? I'm coming back again. What a, over and over and over. And so she says, I'm just going to keep troubling you, and I'm not going to go away. You know, we've often said, this problem isn't going away. We better deal with it and solve it. Now, I can relate to this because on my to-do list, and I have several things tomorrow, uh, I tell myself, I don't want to do this. This isn't my favorite thing to do. I'm going to do it and get it over with. And I have a saying, I tell myself, I'm going to get this out of my life. You know why? Because it's there until I do it. It's not going away. And then about the time I do that, there's 20 more things on the to-do list that I have to do. So then we look at this is very, very crucial. What is she praying for? What is the essence? How would you summarize her need and her prayer request? 
Is it for a new Cadillac? No. Or whatever you, a Lexus, or whatever you value. Uh, a big four-wheel drive pickup, or wh whatever it is. Is it a new home? No. Is it a raise? No. Is it healing of her body, of a sickness or disease or injury? No. What is it? She said, I want you to avenge me of my adversary. Now, once again, this is a deep truth guised in the parable. We should never seek revenge. We should never go to God and say, will you get revenge for me for what they've done for me and they did this to me and this is what I want you to do to them. No, this is the guise is the disguise. Who is our adversary? The devil. What she's praying for and Christ is teaching us is that the judge that's all about him and the widow who has no one to help but the power of the decision that the judge makes is to get revenge from the evil wickedness that our adversary and all the wicked works that he has wrought in our life. Now, if we could apply that to our needs, our healing, our finances, our provision, our protection, our possessions. Yes. But what is, it, what is he saying here? Be vigilant. Why? Your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, seeketh whom he may devour. How many things has he wrought, the wickedness of the evil, the things that he stole from us, the thief cometh not, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. How many things has Satan killed that God made alive in our life? How many things has Satan stolen from us? The blessings and the grace and the glory of the kingdom in our life and the work of God in our life and the growth of grace in our life. How many things has he taken mercilessly and he is our adversary cruel wicked heartless the thief cometh not but to do what for to kill steal and destroy you know how many things satan has destroyed in this church you know how many people how many souls the devil has destroyed in this church and all the people that in a moment of weakness may be yielded to his temptation or in a wicked attack they were blindsided he stole he killed he destroyed think about how much money we've wasted have you ever thought about that i'd be so rich <laughs> of all the stupid purchases that i have made I don't want to discourage you. Start adding them up. You'd be filthy rich. Of all the dumb things that we have done in our life, the foolish decision, think about all the things that we could have been and done for the Lord if we had not made foolish decisions and been deceived or yielded to the temptation. Why did she come? 
avenge me of mine adversary. Who's the adversary? Satan. Basically, what Christ is saying is true prayer and spiritual warfare is, and, and what does it say? That we are addicted to the work of the ministry, and it says God will revenge all of those past works which we have wasted out in the world in sin. If when we turn to God through the doctrine of uh, restoration, think about all the things the worm, the canker worm, the caterpillar, the plagues has consumed in our life. You know, I remember when Brother Roloff was right at the end of his life, he preached a sermon, if I could live my life over, and I, I probably ought to do that someday, all the hard lessons that I've learned. Did you know that when, if you're 16 and you get a job, if you could save $100, even a month, you will be a multimillionaire. This is when the economy's cranking by the time your retirement age. Did you know that? you know I didn't do that? <laughs> Avenge me of my adversary! Did you know if we would have had wisdom way back then to seek God and all the wrong people we let in our life and all the wrong places that we let our feet carry our body in our life and all the things we let our eyes look at that we should not have looked at and all the things we heard that caused thoughts and cogitations of the heart and imaginations. I'm not asking for God to do anything evil to any man. Avenge me and mine adversary. God wants to take your children to hell. No, we don't. The God of this world. The God of this world has blinded the eyes of them, lest they see and believe the light of the glorious gospel. Think about that. Think about all the grand, think about all the bus kids that he has destroyed their life. You know, I was looking, there's a little girl named Natalie, I guess I can say that, used to come here. I saw a picture at my, I said, I wonder what happened. You remember Natalie? I wonder what happened to Natalie. I wonder what happened. You know, we were soul winning. I can, um, I'm trying not to disclose too much. There's a family that used to come here. Me and Brother Powell showed them. I said, I know you now. Where have I, you know, I was, where have I seen you? Oh, yeah, we used to come to your church. And I said, oh, yeah. She goes, yeah, I'm a Mormon. She goes, we're, we're Mormons. And uh, I said, how did they get you? What did they, how did they deceive you? She, this was her two words. Well, we do the sacraments every Sunday. I said, so that's Catholic, Mormon? We do the holy sacraments, and they really emphasize the, uh, what's it, the family. The, 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 and I said, that got you? I, this is unbelievable. How many people, how many souls has he preyed upon? How many young, innocent souls has he deceived and attacked and blinded and, and destroyed? Uh, just in the few people we know. Think about your own family. You know, I was thinking about my dad. He had 11 brothers and sisters. I was reliving. Uh, how many of them turned out right? How many of them sought God in their life? So what is the pure motive 
to get back what the devil's taken from us, to get some revenge spiritually and doctrinally to overcome the theft, the death, and the destruction of the evil one. The thief cometh not, but for to steal, kill, and to destroy. Now, just in conclusion, just going to read you some verses. You don't have to turn to it. We're just going to be reading these quickly. Psalm 4.1, Hear me when I call, O God of my righteousness. Thou hast enlarged me when I was in distress. Have mercy upon me, and hear my prayer. Psalm 5, 2-5, Hearken unto the voice of my cry, my King and my God, for unto thee will I pray. My voice shalt thou hear in the morning, O Lord. In the morning will I direct my prayer unto thee, and will look up. For thou art not a God that hath pleasure in wickedness, neither shall evil dwell with thee. The foolish shall not stand in thy sight, Thou hatest all workers of iniquity. Thou shalt destroy them that speak leasing. Psalm 6, verse 9. The Lord hath heard my supplication. The Lord will receive my prayer. Chapter 17. Just read you a few verses. Verse 1. Hear the right, O Lord, my right. I have a right because of the work of Christ to come to the boldness, boldly to the throne of grace. Attend unto my cry, give ear unto my prayer, that goeth not out of feigned lips. Psalm 35, verse 13. But as for me, when they were sick, my clothing was sackcloth. I humbled my soul with fasting, and my prayer returned unto mine own bosom. This is, uh, that's how you get your prayer answer. You, you returns to your bosom. Chapter 42, verse 8. Yet the Lord will, I, will command His loving kindness in the daytime, and in the night His song shall be with me, and my prayer unto the God of my life. It goes on and on and on. What did Jesus say? Hear what the unjust judge saith. What did he say? He said, Though I fear not God, and though I have no regard for man, but because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. And what does it say? And shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with them? And I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth? The unjust judge. Jesus said, I'm teaching you this, that men ought always to pray and faint not. Let's get revenge the Bible way. What the devil took from us and stole from our family, and he hurt our loved ones, and he hurt our church. He's hurt our own, our, afflicted our body. Let's go to God 
and realize what is the true purpose in spiritual warfare? It's to avenge our adversary. Get avenge, revenge from our adversary. All right, let's pray. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. I want you to think.